The hosts of the Real Life Wellness Podcast are not licensed medical doctors, and this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or any form of professional therapy, nor is it intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any illness or condition. All content and information in this podcast is created for informational purposes only. Please seek medical attention for matters relating to your health and never disregard the advice of a medical professional or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. Welcome to the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary Preston and Kisa Amaro, where we talk about different ways to integrate healthier habits into your life. Welcome back, friends. I'm Kisa Amaro, certified health coach, and I work with moms to help them get control of their food cravings without deprivation or complicated meal plans. And I'm Mary Preston, a licensed marriage and family therapist, life coach, and the founder of the Goodbye Burnout for Healthcare Professionals program. You are a healthcare professional who is experiencing burnout or compassion fatigue or moral injury. Definitely jump into Facebook, find my Facebook group. It is called Saying Goodbye to Burnout for Healthcare Professionals. So come join us. And if you have any questions about any of our programs, the podcast, anything about health and wellness, come join us in the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary Keese, a Facebook group. Or just find us on social media. I am always active on Facebook. Kisa is not, but if you message her, she will get back to you. Yes. I'm working on being more active. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to. I am. Okay, guys. Um, join me for my five-day challenge each month where we cover a topic or issue that will help you lose your cravings. It's free to join. Just head over to my website, kisaamaro.com, and sign up. Super exciting. Love to see you there. Lose your cravings. I don't know why I'm singing. Okay. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> That's for everyone. Okay. Our topic of the day today is the war on obesity. This is a really important topic. Um, so in this episode, we're going to talk about, you know, that it's not really obesity at the root of the problem, but some other factors that we're going to talk about. And, uh, yeah. and you guys, I've got some sad news. <laughs> very sad guys. We, we really, we really like to share, um, <laughs> iTunes reviews, feedback, questions that you guys have had for us. And, and we don't have any from you for today. We've run out. No, and we really yeah. need your help. We really need you to jump onto iTunes and write us a review or jump into the Facebook group and send us a message so that we can share your name and give you a shout out on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So could be you next time. Don't could make be. us sad. I love it, Mary. <laughs> okay, guys, let's get serious now. Yes. Because this is somewhat of a serious topic. Um, so if you pay attention to mainstream media, news, or social media, you have probably heard the term, the war on obesity. In this episode, we want to look at the war on obesity and challenge the idea that the problem is not obesity itself, but that there's a deep, deeper issue that is not being addressed. So that includes like socioeconomic issues, food distribution issues, uninformed media issues, social media, instant gratification, fake news, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So many things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when we look at the, wor the word war, we think of it as something negative. We have, we have to defend ourselves from something bad or evil. We must have a definite enemy in order to have a war, right? Yep. Never have we looked at a war and had positive thoughts. 
So take the term war on obesity and we see obesity as negative, bad, something to be ashamed of, something we need to fix. If you are obese, you are definitely to blame. There must be something wrong with you. You know, it creates fat phobia and a distorted perception of what a healthy, attractive, sexy person should look like. Yeah. Um, so when did the war on obesity start and who started it? Yeah, who so, started this war? <laughs> <laughs> who declared war? Jerks. Yeah. So obesity rates started rising in the 1970s and weren't really acknowledged until the late 80s and early 90s. And so if you go back to the Great Depression in the 30s, people were worried about just getting food to survive. So they were, there wasn't much food available. Mm-hmm. Um, then came World War II in the 1940s, and we still rationed food. So it was still like food wasn't highly available. Um, so it wasn't until the late 50s and early 60s that our nation was more prosperous. So after the war ended, we kind of recovered from that, and we were able to buy more food. So people in general just had more money and more um, access to food. Hmm. Um, and food companies came out with fast food and processed food that was more convenient. And industrial oils were introduced into fast food and replaced beef tallow in foods like French fries. And when we talk about industrial oils, we're talking about seed oils like corn oil, canola oil, soybean oil. And these are, these are like, they're made and highly processed. And when they go through this processing, processing process, (laughs) they're like, they're bleached and there's chemicals added. It's, it's not, it's not something you want to put in your body, uh, like a lot of. Um, and it also has a higher omega-3 um, content. Sorry, I take that back. It has a higher omega-6 content, <laughs> which you want um, like a more even omega-3 to omega-6 ratio or else that can cause um, inflammation in the body. Interesting. So all of that stuff so, is all happening kind of all at the same time, 60s. Yeah, yeah 60s, 70s. I mean, it was slowly, it's like, it doesn't happen necessarily all at once, but this Mm -hmm. is what started happening. Like kind of how it like food just became more easily accessible. We had more money. Our nation was more prosperous. And then people found um, like food manufacturers found cheaper ways to make the same food with cheaper ingredients essentially. So then therefore they're making more, more of a profit. So according to a study in the 1960s and 70s, only 13% of U.S. adults and 5 to 7% of U.S. children were obese. And today, 17% of our children and 32% of adult males and 36% of adult females are categorized as obese. So as you can see, it's definitely increased. Um, So if we look at the adults, 13% to like 32, 36%. So in this time, we have had lifestyle shift. Food has become cheaper to produce um, as cheaper ingredients were introduced into the market. And like I mentioned before, the seed oils, also high fructose corn syrup. It's super cheap to make. 
Um, and so they replace like maybe cane sugar with high fructose corn syrup. And then they just could use more of it too, because it's cheaper. Right. Um, and using these ingredients instead of healthy fats and higher quality sweeteners made foods cheaper to make and therefore cheaper to buy. We could buy more food and more convenient food too, which just means we're just consuming more food. And our bodies just kind of naturally want to eat food. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the thing. And we'll get more into that later on. Um, so if you're an overweight or obese person by medical standards, and I want to say medical standards because that's who like determines if you're overweight or obese. Right. Um, I was just looking up as you were, um, as you were um, talking because I had, I had remembered that the obese, even just like the standard has changed. Yeah. And, like yeah. in 1998, like somebody just arbitrary, well, I, there might've been some thought behind it. I don't know. feels arbitrary that they changed it in 1998 so that actually the standard is now higher, lower. It's much easier to be in the obese category now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, if you're an overweight or obese person by medical standards, then you have probably had the experience of going to the doctor and the doctor telling you, you need to lose weight. Yep. He might say eat less red meat and more vegetables or eat less fat and more whole grains. It could be a wide variety of things. Um, and I want to preface this next section with, you know, doctors are wonderful and very useful. And I'm so glad that we have modern medicine. Yes. Thank I you, know. doctors. Yes. I know <laughs> that you. it has helped me out and I'm alive today because of it. And However, in medical school, doctors get very little nutrition education, um, most just hours on the subject, and they usually go by what is just common knowledge in the medical community. Yeah. Um, so when doctors tell you you need to lose weight, they have the best intentions and are truly trying to help you. The problem is often that you are left with just that, like you need to lose weight or maybe you know, you need to eat healthier and exercise more. Yeah, this this becomes a big problem. I've often talked with clients who have not only been told, uh, like, just lose weight as the only solution, right? Like they get on the scale, they're told what number, and mm -hmm. then they're just told to lose weight as the only solution. Um, but so many times their actual medical problems have been ignored because the doctor is, or, you know, or the nurse practitioner who's ever seeing them they're unable to see past their weight because we have uh -huh. such a stigma on being obese, being the problem. Uh -huh. And so often problems are dismissed and blamed on the client and like quote unquote obesity or fat being blamed for the issues rather than taking the time to actually like do blood work or a thorough medical mm -hmm. exam. Wow. And if you really think about it, extra weight is never like the actual issue, <laughs> you know? Right. Which is why I always it confuses me why people are told to lose weight like this is new information. Like the rest of society and culture isn't constantly telling us that we're supposed to lose weight. And that like these people who have come into the doctor are going to be like, what? New idea. Lose weight. That'll help. Right? Like right. that cannot be our only solution. Yeah. Right? Because weight is never the issue itself. It's always a symptom of something else, which we're going to mm -hmm. go into in a moment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people have extra weight and are totally healthy. Right. And that their blood work is fine and that they're physically capable and able to do everything they'd like to do. And so if you want to go down that road a little bit, because there are so many mm -hmm. avenues, um, I recommend the health at every size 
book and um, work. It's really interesting mm-hmm. information. Awesome. Thanks, Mary. Um, so yeah, when this happens, uh, your doctor, you go into the doctor and you're just told to lose weight and pretty much no more support. You leave the office feeling under supported, frustrated, and possibly confused as to, you know, what to do. Yep. So if we're proposing that obesity is not the problem and that there's a deeper issue, then what is this deeper issue? Um, so I'm going to share a few issues here, but it's not a complete list by any means. Um, but we're just kind of starting the conversation. Um, and the first thing that I would, I want to talk about is just access to food. This is a big problem. Right. We live in a culture that has food readily available. Like we have tons of food. (laughs) However, There seems to be an access issue. You know, not all people have equal access Mm -hmm. to fresh fruit and vegetables, especially year round, depending on where you live. Um, Inner city residents find it difficult to buy fruit and veggies at the store as it is just not available or there are no grocery stores. Yep. Um, The only available food that they have access to might be highly processed food like chips, processed meat, white bread, candy, and soda. And Fresh fruit and veggies may be more expensive than a candy bar. So people may not have the budget for these nutrient-dense foods. Yep. Um, The next um, issue I'd like to bring up are just cultural norms. So culturally, you know, somebody may have been taught um, and to eat a certain way and they're used to certain foods. Right. Um, And I really saw this in when I was in Guam and food is a huge part of their culture and it is one of the only ways that they really celebrate their culture as parts are fading away such as like language and art and dance yeah super important to to be able to hang on to your culture yeah so this is like one way they can hold on to it so um like when I would go to a party, there were, you know, copious amounts of food and like multiple types of meat, fried chicken, uh, pork ribs, rice, and the dessert table was almost larger than the dinner table. And there was often times no vegetable dishes or maybe just like one or maybe two. And being on an island that is very isolated, um, especially from the United States, groceries were expensive. And I found out while I was living there that um, all of the food brought into Guam had to go through mainland. So before it came to the island. What? So we can, even though we're like close to the Philippines and like their produce, I'm sure is way less expensive. um, Everything has to go through mainland United States before it can go to like a U.S. territory or... I think even Hawaii too, like it has to go. It has to go to the mainland first. That is yeah. incredible. I never thought that about crazy? that. I mean, so, I suppose there's some kind of a reason. I'm sure somebody's got an argument, but that seems crazy because right. it's so much yeah. closer to other places yeah, where it could like, just come from. Yeah. There's places we could get food way less expensive. And yeah. So that that's a, that's an issue there as mm-hmm. well. Um, and, you know, when I was teaching nutrition classes there, it was – you know, it was difficult for students to take action as they were so ingrained in the thought that healthy food was expensive and didn't taste good. Yep. Um, 
so there, you know, like we definitely had to take a different approach. Um, and you know, that is just, you know, one thing. And then, um, yeah. So another, another issue would be time. Yeah. This is a huge one. Let's be honest, like more and more families have both adults or parents working outside of the home and therefore have less time to plan grocery shop and make homemade meals with whole, like whole food ingredients. Right. Um, you know, it's so much easier to pick up something or go, you know, like buy something at the store for like, that's like a, I don't want to say TV dinner, but like a heat up meal. Like it's a frozen dinner. Mm -hmm. You just like heat it up in the microwave or just get to to go somewhere. Right. And if you Uh combine this right with, with those folks who don't have access to healthy food very easily, Mm -hmm. right? Like, are you really going to drive, like drive to Whole Foods when you don't have any time in the first place and finances are already tight and that's why you have two or three or five jobs, you know, like, so it's, um, it's almost silly sometimes when we're like, just eat more vegetables. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're like, like, whoa, legitimate, legitimate reasons where that is so difficult. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next issue, um, is media. So our culture promotes overeating and inactivity and, we see media all around us that encourages us. No. Okay. Tells us to eat mm-hmm. a McDonald's Big Mac meal and supersize it. Cause it fixes all your problems. Kisa. Right. It does. <laughs> it fix your life will be perfect. You'll be happy. You'll be popular. You'll be successful. I love commercials. Like, <sighs> Oh my gosh, McDonald's is going to make my life so much better. Right. And then, you know, like we get things for free when, yeah we get the larger size or it's more of a value to get the larger size. Um, these foods are also cheaper and more convenient, leaving you time to work more be on social media or watch Netflix or whatever media wants you to do. <laughs> yep. You know, media and marketing is so powerful. Um, so example, I don't watch cable TV as we don't have cable. So mm-hmm. I rarely see advertisements when I'm watching um, a show or movie. We just have like Apple TV and we'll watch like Hulu, stuff like that. And I remember I was visiting someone and I was watching a show on cable and a commercial came on for a fast food pizza company. And I'm not like a huge pizza person. I don't really crave it or want to eat it all the time. But watching this commercial, my mouth started watering and I was like, <laughs> I need pizza now. And then oh my I, gosh. It was crazy. And then like I realized what was happening and was like, whoa, like this commercial is so powerful. Like to get somebody who's like not really, I wouldn't say I'm not into pizza, but I'm just like, eh. <laughs> kind of Like meh. I need it now. <laughs> so. Yep. That's, it's crazy how powerful like media is and if you're not aware of it and you just like go with it Mm -hmm. you know and I I think the best are like I've heard Taco Bell commercials on I think it's like Pandora um and they're so it's like having a crappy day it's like all these things going wrong and like oh just just drive into Taco Bell we'll take care of your problems for you you know it's like (laughs) Just eat your problems away. Definitely have a taco. 
And have a taco. They're so good with the commercials and at the background of all of the media, you know, so even if you're, you don't have cable and you're not watching commercials, one, they are figuring out how to insert their products into TV shows because they know that we're, we're not watching commercials anymore. Mm -hmm. And then we have the other piece of it where media is constantly telling us what a, a quote unquote normal body is supposed to look like. Right. right. And so these yeah. people in like a Taco Bell commercial are all super skinny, right? Oh, Solving yeah. their problems with tacos. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, <laughs> right, the, the way that larger folks, you know, people with fat on their bodies or in the obese category, the way that they are, um, the way that they're portrayed in the media is horrible. And so mm-hmm. we we've kind we're coming a longer way, right? There's there's larger people in the media, people who like look like us more. Mm-hmm. But they it's still where the larger person is like the comedic relief or where the yeah. larger person is like the before in a before and after challenge. Right? Mm-hmm. It's always like we're trying to make it go away is still the way that, that media pushes us. Um, and so it's right. really interesting. It's so like, even if we're not watching commercials, watching the way that they are giving us information about the way we are supposed to be and how we're supposed to fix our problems. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so our next issue is a uh, concentrated dopamine head. Mm, it's dopamine. <laughs> the dopamine. Dopamine is a feel good neurotransmitter in the brain and it plays a key role in the brain reward circuit which leads to reinforcement of associated behaviors so take sugar for instance let's look at a raspberry it has natural concentration of sugar in it and this sugar comes with fiber to slow the absorption of sugar into the bloodstream Um, So when you eat a handful of raspberries, you get a natural hit of dopamine and your brain is like, this is good. I will remember, you know, I'll remember this for next time I see raspberries. I'll want to get some. Um, You know, this is a natural reaction to sugar and dopamine in the brain. Now let's look at a Snickers bar. (laughs) A Snickers bar or in a Snickers bar, there's a concentrated amount of sugar. This means that the sugar cane was processed to extract the sugar from the rest of the plant, which contains a lot of fiber. So if you've ever seen like raw sugar cane, it's like fiber with juice in it. It's like a, like, it's like a really like, hard celery plant. Yes. But sweet. Go. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That sounds delicious. Like super hard. Um, <laughs> so we have sugar without the fiber. Like they've extracted the sugar from that plant. No fiber. Then we eat the Snickers bar. Um, we're eating concentrated amounts of sugar that give our brains a concentrated amount of dopamine. Then your brain is like, uh, forget the raspberries. This snicker bar is where it's at. I'm going to remember this wrapper. And when I see it again, I'm going to want it. (laughs) Like your brain remembers these things like Snickers, but they see the Snickers bar and they're like, I want that. Definitely. Because your brain is all about survival. You know, we're we're still living our survival techniques from caveman days and so mm-hmm. more sugar is survival and so snickers oh, bar is like the winning <laughs> amount of sugar yeah we will survive right yeah. so your brain is pushing you to get more sugar <laughs> 
Yeah. So you can see that your brain uh, <laughs> will remember where it gets its dopamine hits from and it will want them more and more. Yep. So our, our brain wants to do what is easiest and feels good. Buying a Snickers bar at the store is pretty easy and the bar feels good when we're eating it. And so you just repeat the same cycle over and over again. Yeah. So, you know, when, when that goes to, or when we translate that to making food choices, we choose things that are easy and will give us the most dopamine. And this usually includes like fast food, like so salty things, fatty things, and sweet things. Those are like the three, like fast food, candy, chips, bread, sugar, sweetened beverages, like soda, juice, sports drinks, energy drinks, and coffee drinks. Yep. Um, and this is our brain craving concentrated amounts of dopamine and knowing that certain foods will give you that. Um, so therefore you want to eat them. Yeah. And if you have ever tried to get rid of your cravings, you know, this is a very hard cycle to stop. You know, it takes a lot of knowledge, conscious effort and uncomfortableness to do so. Yeah. Cause there's so many factors, right? You go to a fast yeah. food place. Not only do you have like a huge, like the financial benefit, the time benefit, the sugar mm-hmm. benefit, the fat benefit, the smell, the media, all of that together. Yeah. And of course, if you're not planning ahead, like Wendy's McDonald's, hell yeah. Instead of driving to Whole Foods, buying like a whole bunch of whole ingredients, yeah. taking it home, cooking a whole meal for my family. I'm exhausted just listing off what it takes. Right. right? Could just, you know, <laughs> go through the drive through. Go through the drive through. Tell somebody what you it's want. Tough, right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as you can see, there are many different reasons that the obesity rate is increasing in the United States and that it's not obesity that is the root cause, nope. but something deeper, like understanding how food affects your body and your brain and knowing how to counteract that. And this is not an inclusive list of causes or reasons. You know, there are many more that we have not touched on. Yeah. Um, we would so many be like a while. Yeah, we we'd did. be so right. Like you know, I'm a mental health professional. I can't tell you yeah. how many people come in and they think the problem is that they're, they eat too much. Yeah. The problem is really that they're having a hard time with their life and it just temporarily makes things feel better to eat. Right. And so it's not the weight. It's not the weight. So many times yeah. there's something else going on. And so like a thousand reasons though. Right. So right. I encourage you to look at if this is something that you are interested in, right? Like pay attention to what the real reasons are. Yeah. So what do we do? If obesity is not the root cause, but all these other factors are, what do we do? The simple answer is focus on health and well-being. Yep. What can you do to promote health and well-being? Can you, or like, how can you make an impact? Look for the possibilities and what we can do to promote health and well-being instead of putting people down and declaring a war on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and kind of like rethinking what your definition of health and wellness might be. You know, we talk mm-hmm. a lot about our definitions of health and wellness moving away from like number on a scale or right. Like maybe even like the shape of our bodies sometimes more towards how do I feel? You know, what is, how is my brain function? You know, how strong mm-hmm. am I? Those kinds of things. Right. And I think we had a podcast about that, Mary. 
we may it's like other <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll share that we'll share yeah, that we'll share that um it's like other things like to uh indicate wellness besides mm-hmm. like the number on the scale absolutely right so, like, and what so we'll, we'll share that yeah because there's a lot of different ways to to think about health and wellness other than the scale yeah and then another thing we can do is stop equating a person's size with their health Right? Mm-hmm. Like we could just stop using fat as an excuse to shame yourself or somebody else. Mm-hmm. We can try to stop judging, speaking about, or making comments to somebody else about their weight. I'm still always floored when I hear people come in and they're like, somebody told me that I shouldn't eat this because I'm too fat. Like, like excuse me, stop right. it. If you're making those comments, I, you know, I want to yeah. be kind, but stop it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Unless you are their doctor or you've been asked for an opinion by them, then you have no reason to give any input whatsoever. Right. Exactly. So how do we support people who are working to lose weight? Mm -hmm. How do we support people who don't have access to healthy foods? And maybe how do we support people in exercising? So I look at this at this podcast as a way to support people who are working to improve their health and well-being. Maybe they don't know how, maybe their doctor told them they need to lose weight, and so they look for a podcast on health and wellness and they find us. Yep. You know, this is a wonderful free resource for people to listen to, learn and take action. Now you don't need to run out and start a podcast. But what is something you can do? Maybe it's as simple as starting a conversation with coworkers, friends, um, or maybe as simple as sharing this episode with a friend or on social media. It doesn't have to be huge or life changing. It just has to be something. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, Mary, you, you uh, mentioned this before, but you know, there seems to be a huge stigma about fat and obesity. And we often look at overweight and obese people and think that they're, you know, they must be slobs, lazy, and unmotivated. And that is their fault that they are overweight or obese. Yep. We think of them as a burden on society and look to them as the cause. So if you do think this way, I encourage you to take a different perspective. After looking deeper into the war on obesity and the root cause of obesity, I hope you will see fat and obesity in a different light and you will be supportive and loving. Yes. And you know, I just putting down. Yeah. I was just thinking about this. Sometimes we have really good intentions with our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, So this doesn't just, um, it doesn't just pertain to adults. You know, the way that we talk to kids about health and wellness is really important and maybe just paying attention to your language around Um, how shaming we are around weight and fat. And Mm -hmm. especially if a kiddo meets the criteria for obesity, for the medical standard of obesity, we're really pretty cruel Mm -hmm. to kids. And I want you to really think about, can you be a part of the the movement to give these kids a break, you know, because they're having the same issues that we are, and they're not even the ones in charge of feeding themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. They might not have any. They don't have a choice most of yeah, the time. they don't have a choice. <laughs> um, so yeah, a more complex answer would be how do we get equal access um, to healthy and whole foods? Yes. You Let's know, do how, it. How do we properly educate the population on the mm-hmm. impact of food? 
you know, what is healthy and what is not so healthy, you know, what, yep. sh- what foods should we choose most of the time? What food should we choose some of the time? Um, you know, these are bigger issues that are going to take a huge movement movement to make a change. And I personally don't have the answer for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do have the answer or know of a movement or group that is working on this um, that we can support, please let us know. Then we can share with our audience and they can support the cause as well. Definitely. And two resources that I know of that are um, that really look at these things in a very healthy way are Health at Every Size. I know we mentioned that before. It's mm-hmm. a really great movement. Um, there's, um, you can look up on Instagram, kind of search body positivity. Sometimes you hit on some, some weird things, but you find a lot of people doing a lot of work mm-hmm. on body positivity. And then the bear program, B-A-R-E, um, that Susan Hyatt is, um, p- she's kind of put together a program that really focuses on the way you feel and her program focuses on like taking care of yourself in a lot of really cool ways and having causes and passion and food just being right food being important for nutrition and for mm-hmm. pleasure sometimes and making it not such a big deal. And so it's a really cool program if you're interested. She's got some bear certified coaches. Awesome. Thanks for that, Mary. Mm-hmm. Okay, my friends, we have five tips yeah. for you. Um and my first tip for you is to change your perspective. Yes. We are not at war with obesity. No, we are not. I hate it. I hate that we say it ever. (laughs) It's just so funny. (sighs) Um, Obesity is just a result of larger problems. And, you know, being obese does not mean that a person is unhealthy or that they need to lose weight. I know. Even like, can we just say that again, right? That being obese does not mean that a person is unhealthy or that they need to lose weight. Like, let's let them handle their own health. (laughs) right yeah um our next um tip is how can you support so how can you be of support um you know to educate people as to the root causes of rising obesity rates in the united states and Mm -hmm. you know like what i mean by that is like how can you support a cause or a program uh, such as like a school garden program or uh, school fruits and vegetables program, yeah. vegetable program. I know that when I was teaching, we had a fresh fruit and vegetable program in our school. And once a week, they would give every student in the school um, a serving of either a fresh fruit or vegetable. So it would be like a pear, an apple. But then they also had like... Um, like more, I want to say exotic, but like mangoes, pineapple, they would do like tomatoes, uh, carrots. They had all like a huge variety, strawberries. Um, and it was awesome because, you know, like the, the population of students I worked with a lot of times didn't like, this is their first exposure to some of these vegetables. Yeah. Um, so supporting something like that is just a way to, um, introduce different, whole foods to people who may not be able to afford it or don't have access or haven't been introduced to it. Yeah. I love that. And it takes away like those programs where they offer vegetables, offer fruits Mm -hmm. and it takes away the, um, food is bad 
Yeah. Um, so many times it's like, it, I almost get the idea that like food in general is bad. We should just eat less of it. And it's like, no, like, mm-hmm. right. Like just trying different foods, trying mm-hmm. different things and not making it a shame, a good or bad. It's just, here's some other options. Right. Awesome. So tip number three is just start a conversation. You know, when you hear somebody mm-hmm. fat shaming, um, in a conversation, you can discuss why obesity is growing and what the root causes may be. You yeah. know, maybe this this person doesn't even know any of this information. Um, so just, you know, starting a conversation. You don't mm-hmm. need to be like, well, this is what I know, but. it can be good though, you know? Yeah. And and on the other side of that, right? Like having conversations is great and and bringing awareness is really important. And on the other side of that is really staying out of other people's health business. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, we have a tendency to comment on our weight and to talk about other people's health right? So Mm -hmm. it might seem that you're being helpful by commenting on somebody's weight or health by giving them advice on how to be healthier. And I see this a lot on social media even more because there's like a level of removal that's like, oh, Oh, yeah, she looks happy, but is she going to be around long enough to raise her kids? I see comments like that all the time. And it's like just a mom with her babies. Like who, why, who is that helping? Anywho. Exactly unless they've asked for it, right? Or if you're their doctor, like I said before, Mm -hmm. even if you're their doctor, you know, maybe look for some other causes, but um, it's really not any of your business deciding whether or not somebody else is healthy or not. And I actually, you know, I saw this meme the other day and I shared it and it was not just commenting on people eating too much or being bigger, but also when we make comments or we praise somebody for losing weight, right? We have no idea why they've lost weight. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, right. It's kind sometimes it's because they're sick. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it's because they have an eating disorder. Sometimes it's because like something, right. Like they're grieving and so they're not Mm -hmm. eating well or they have depression, right. There's so many reasons Mm -hmm. why somebody may or may not have lost weight. And when we focus on people's size, Mm -hmm you know, we're really, we're really in somebody else's business and there's so many other things we can comment on. So many other things. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that's a really good point too, Mary, is that you don't know why this person has lost weight Mm -hmm. and it might not be a positive experience. We don't know why they've gained weight, right? Yeah. It's none of our business, their weight at all. Mm -hmm. Okay, last tip for you guys um, is to share this podcast. Yeah. By sharing this podcast, you can help get the information out to more people and share the knowledge with other people. Yeah, absolutely. Do it. So friends, that's all we've got for you today. A lot of good information about that war on obesity. That is complete BS. Thanks for being awesome as always and listening in. Um, if you'd like to know about more about us, you have any questions or comments, head on over to our dedicated Facebook group. You can also contact me at my website at www.maryelisepreston.com or Kisa at her website at www.kisaamaro.com. That's K-E-Y-S-A-A-M-A-R-O.com. Join up in our five-day challenges. Yes. And if you know someone who you think would benefit from the information shared on our podcast, please share this episode with them. We want to extend our message to and support as many people as possible, and we need your help to get our message out.
Yeah. And if you enjoy the show, we would love it if you would leave us an honest review on iTunes. Remember, don't make us sad, my friends. Go to <laughs> iTunes, search for the podcast page, hit the tab for ratings and reviews and click on write a review. That's it. And then we'll say your name on air. Super awesome. Helpful. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.